Joan Hogan welcoming you to the Prairie Doc radio program. Rick Holm, our Prairie Doc, is in the studio. He's ready to answer your questions of a medical nature. Dr. Holm's specialty is internal medicine. He has worked with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and has served as a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. And he's arriving here in Plaid today. Looks like a lumberjack. Plaid, I look How like you a doing? lumberjack. I'm doing good. Well, good. Good to have you here. Huh. I couldn't do the show without you, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> and most everyone listening knows I have no medical background, but I've learned a lot over the past 20 yeah, plus so, years. Yes, so I mean, you have become a doctor, you know, by, you know... Mm-hmm. experience mentorship mentorship you have mentored me and i have learned a lot and i think you've mentored most of the people listening to this program they have learned a lot from you it's it's a wealth of information that you have and you're always happy to share it with us i'm happy to share it you know i think people are, are they sitting in more now or something but we have never had so many calls before the program began uh, we're really pleased to have your calls, and if you have any more questions, just we give us a call. We love your calls. We've had calls. a number of calls before it began. If you had nothing particular on your mind right now. I might just want to yes, uh, go for it. tell you about tomorrow night. Oh, that's exciting. So <clears throat> tomorrow night, uh, the Mayo Clinic is sending two doctors over, driving the four hours across country. Either up Highway 14 all the way from, and you can do 14, but they might take from 90. Rochester, or you can do the interstate. Which one is faster, do you think? Um, I think I'd do the interstate because the weather's always questionable. Probably 14 could be faster. I don't I've, know. You know, I've timed it. Oh, you have? I have. I've gone. Well, you've been back I've and been forth to a little bit enough. now. <laughs> yeah, and what do you find? It's the same. Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's and the interstate, you don't have to stop it, in every little town. It's kind of nice. It, I think you'll be fine. You know, it is not nearly as picturesque. 14 is really a pretty little drive. It is. And so I would say 14 is the better way when the roads are and they're clear. nice. If they're and not clear. And the sky is And the no reason bright. that Mayo is sending two doctors all the way to Brookings is because you have a television program Thursday night. It will be live and you will have two Mayo doctors to discuss what topic of interest to well, you. We're going to talk about the Mayo in general. We're going to talk about when to refer, who refers, how does it happen, when is it appropriate to go to the specialist, and then we're going to talk about pancreatic cancer because uh, Dr. Trudy is <clears throat> my, the surgeon that removed my head of my pancreas, part of my... Uh, my biliary tract, a third of my stomach, a foot and a half of small intestine, and um, and reconnected. <laughs> Dr. Mark Trudy, who is a surgeon, and he really cut you up, didn't he? he? He's a cut-up, all right. He's a cut-up artist, all right. But he will be here, and he's bringing a friend, Dr. Robert Lohr, who yes. is an internist and a consultant. At I've, I've met Bob Lohr maybe five, six, seven, eight years ago at, at the American... College of Physicians, the internal medicine organization for the nation. And uh, he, I was a governor uh, for South Dakota, and he was a governor for Minnesota. And we became fast friends and developed that relationship. And I said, you know, it's only a, just a hop, skip, and a jump, four hours. Yeah, just a to short drive, drive. To come on over, and, and uh, why don't you come on over and be on our show sometime? And uh, he was planning on doing that, and then there were problems that popped up, and it didn't happen like two years ago. 
Um, and then the problem of pancreatic cancer popped up, and I went to uh, Avera, and the surgeon uh, there, uh, actually on the night before the planned Whipple procedure, after we've received three rounds of rather significant chemotherapy, uh, the surgeon called me and he said, I'm studying your x-rays and your case and so on and so forth, and I'm looking at something that I didn't really see before and wasn't noted by the radiologist, and that is there's an unusual anatomy. You have a single artery coming off, feeding the liver from uh, uh, the arteries of the GI of this of the aorta, and instead of two. If and what happens is that the cancer of the pancreas oftentimes wraps itself around the artery that feeds one of the arteries that feeds the liver. Well, if you only have one, if you have <laughs> two, and you sacrifice one artery, the liver does fine. If you only have one and sacrifice the artery, then you die in three months of uh, liver failure, kind of a scenario, not a good life, not a good death. So he thought it might be uh, appropriate to send me off to places where they do not only um, the Whipple procedure very frequently, but they also do vascular repair of that kind of a thing. And so I had an appointment with Dr. Trudy, who is the eminent pancreatic surgeon, and a vascular surgeon um, after that, who was ready to to uh, to do a transplant of an artery if necessary or whatever. And uh, they nicked the artery, and she needed to come in and do some repair, apparently, during the procedure. But uh, And it delayed it a, another hour or so, but uh, apparently not a bit major problem. Uh, the tumor was wrapped around that artery, indeed, uh, but not um, uh, in a way that they couldn't remove the tumor. So that was good news. Well, we're all thankful for that, or we may not be talking with you today, right? I'm glad yeah, to be here. It's very good to have you here. Right. So, so they are going to be <laughs> with you tomorrow night live yeah. on South Dakota Public Television. So we can talk about abdominal surgery. We can talk about cancer of the pancreas or any other abdominal organ. We can talk about referral to uh, the Mayo or to a specialty center. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, uh, they'll be willing and happy to talk about the mail. Uh, and so it is a unbelievable story, the Mayo Clinic, uh, and what has happened in the middle of this country, uh, in a little town in Minnesota. We're just fortunate to have them there. Yes, Say, we need to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll, uh, get to some of those questions that you've called in. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Happy to have you listening. And as I mentioned, a number of you called in with questions. And the first question has to do with pancreatitis. Pancreatitis. They would like to know what causes this, what treatment can you have for it, and is it fatal? Right. Pancreatitis is inflammation of the pancreas. It's not. It, you can get pancreatitis from pancreatic surgery. <laughs> yes. One of the things that I was worried about was the possibility that a third of the people who have pancreatic surgery will end up with pancreatitis and pancreatic cysts and pseudocysts, and mm. it's a miserable deal. They put in new stents and, dr and drainage deals and so on and so forth. So if you can get by without 
the complication of, uh, of uh, pancreatitis uh, from the surgery, that's a good thing. But the common cause for pancreatitis um, is uh, no cause. just happens. You another don't know cause, what caused it. Yeah. Another cause is alcohol. Alcohol can cause pancreatitis. Another cause can be gallbladder disease. Uh, and another cause can be high levels of triglyceride, uh, which would, uh, is often associated with diabetes, uh, but primarily associated with truncal obesity, big abdomens. And, and, uh, uh, and then there's an inherited um, uh, disease uh, of hypertriglyceridemia. And sometimes uh, they just don't know what causes it, but is there a treatment for it? Pancreatitis. Yeah. I knew you would ask me that. <laughs> you felt that coming. Yeah. Right? No, there's no good treatment. For oh, there isn't? No. Oh. No, basically it's watch and wait and hold off on feeding the person because it's the food that seems to make it worse. Uh, so you hold tight and you cover their discomfort and you put them on NPO, nothing per orus, nothing through the mouth. And so, um, so basically. This does not sound good at all. No, it's, it's not. I mean, deal. why did you think I was really <laughs> concerned about getting yeah. postoperative pancreatitis? I did not want that. And you know what is the problem with pancreatitis? It hurts like HE double toothpicks. Mm. You know what I mean? Bob, you haven't heard that one for a long time. So the treatment for this might be some pretty strong meds, huh? The treatment for that is enough uh, pain medicines to get yeah. you past it until it, it settles down. Uh, and then, uh, then you, you uh, gradually start feeding the person first fluids. Uh, 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 milk is the last thing to be added. And Since uh, it's an inflammation, is it something that can then get better? Yes, yes, it'll get better. So and that's a positive. That's a right. very positive. If it's an alcohol-induced problem, then you, you know, you... Stop drinking. Stop drinking. <laughs> the person has to get past uh, the withdrawal of alcohol. That's what happens is uh, in the inner city at Grady Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. We saw a lot of this. They would, uh, they would be heavy, heavy drinkers, you know, big-time boozers, and they'd be malabsorbed. There's a lot of um, malnutrition going on because they're not eating. All they're no, doing they're is drinking. drinking. They're yeah. getting skinnier and skinnier and malnourished and more malnourished. And, um, and then uh, they'll come down with pancreatitis. Well, that makes you vomit and pain and miserable, and uh, they come into the emergency room. <clears throat> and you say, okay, well, you're in the hospital, and we'll put a feeding, you know, you put an NG tube, a nasal gastric tube that goes down the nose, in through the esophagus, into the stomach, and you suck out what's in the stomach so they're not continuously vomiting. And um, that's a miserable situation in and of itself. Uh, when that happens, uh, they don't have alcohol, and they've been drinking, 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 drinking. They really Stop. have withdrawals. They have oh, big-time withdrawals. And so you try to get them past their withdrawals. So it's a very tricky and actually a very dangerous uh, situation. Um, people will have cardiac arrests. People will uh, uh, have GI bleeding. Uh, they'll ha and in the m among all of this illness from malnourishment and the alcohol and the, and the um, 
pancreatitis, uh, many of them will die. Well, one positive thing, this all sounds so negative, but the positive thing is if you have pancreatitis and you are being treated correctly and supported, and supported it, it does not away. have to be fatal. It can be, but it is not necessarily fatal. Correct. So we can tell them that. That's right. Most people will be okay. Just rest their gut. Uh, I try not to to put NG tubes down because that makes you just miserable as can be. Uh, And you give it a little time and you leave them without food for a little bit. You give them IV fluid so that they have fluid replacement. And then uh, gradually uh, you get them back. Now... When they did my surgery, they put in a feeding tube into my small intestine. Right into the intestine, not the stomach. Right. Okay. So I had that for about six weeks before uh, they pulled it. Hmm. They removed it uh, two days before the... And you can't go into the hot tub. You can't take a shower really very well. You know, you do a little bit. Uh, you can't uh, go swimming, for gosh sakes. You've got an entrance through your abdomen down into the GI tract. So um, they removed that. And my first question to Mark Trudy was, Dr. Trudy, can I sail in the regatta? <laughs> Which is in two days, you know, two days. Of course you can. <laughs> well, you were happy then. That's yes, good. and that All was right. this summer, you know, June. Yeah. It was uh, after the the surgery well then you got in the regatta on a happy note we're going to take our next break we'll be back right after these words hi welcome back to prairie doc radio we're happy to have you listening today we've been talking about a very tough topic let's go on to another question as i said at the outset of the program we've had some calls come in a person called in and said that uh, she sees people in new york wearing hospital masks on the street are they really effective in preventing illnesses yes they are. Uh, they are. And, in fact, uh, if you look at, um, you know, if you're in the room and you're really close to the person, uh, you need to have a hospital mask that is uh, a much smaller filter. But the majority of the, you know, if you think about it, have you ever seen those pictures of a man sneezing uh, in a, with a black background and yeah. you can just see all Spray the particles that are forever. just spraying everywhere? That ma- the mask will will uh, will filter that. Uh, you know, it used to be that, um, and I remember this from my freshman year in medical school, uh, and it's just indelibly printed in my brain uh, to talk about what do you do f- and how do you care for somebody who has tuberculosis and who could spread tuberculosis to you. And you don't want to catch that. No, you do not. And uh, by the way, I did, and I have <laughs> had to take a year of INH because I, my, my uh, skin test for tuberculosis turned positive. The week I was at the CDC where they were teaching us about tuberculosis, yeah. they tested all the med students and mine turned positive. And the teacher looked at me and he said, here, everybody learn off Rick. Oh, thanks a lot. Here's what a positive <laughs> test is. Oh. And by the way, you get a year of INH. So hmm. that's a medicine for tuberculosis. They do it differently now. But at the time, it was a year of taking a pill a day. So... Uh, the long and the short of it is that uh, how do you prevent the spread of tuberculosis? And the answer was that everybody who has that, if they just simply coughed into their tissue and threw the tissue away, that it would r- greatly, I mean like 95%, remove the risk of tuberculosis. 
Wow. And, uh, and, and, you know, of course, I was a med student, and I remember the man who had tuberculosis that I admitted to the hospital and whose eyes I was, you know, doing the ophthalmoscope, and I'm in his face looking into his, uh, into his eyes. fundoscopic exam of his eyes. That was the mistake of, that I made. I should have skipped that right. well, part of it. You learned the tough way. But the point I'm making is that the, the masks are very help. effective, uh, even if they're not the super mask that is with a much smaller pore, a much uh, stronger filter uh, to cover even the viral, tiny, tiny little viral particles. It will, it will catch all those big sneeze particles that you see in the black on that picture that we all ha- have in our mind. Well, now, when you talk about the mask, you're talking about people who are ill and wearing them. I think people also want to know, if I'm healthy and I wear a mask in public, will it prevent me from getting No, no, illnesses? I'm talking about the healthy people wearing masks, the ill people coughing into a... Uh, okay, a, 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 so the a, healthy people wearing masks, it's very effective. It's very effective. Okay, good. And, you know, the, you know I, if you think about it, you got a mask on, you sneeze. Oh, you just sneeze into the mask. Well, that kind of revolting i mean the point is you should be sneezing and blowing into tissue right and throwing that tissue away and then washing your hands before you touch anybody that's the main thing that you do to prevent a respiratory illness from being spread well now you have segued right into our next caller's question oh the next caller would like to know if taking a zinc supplement might provide protection against the common cold what is your thought on that uh, a zinc supplement reduces the symptoms of the common cold a little bit. I had one patient, however, who came into my office, had been taking zinc supplements every day for months, and had lost his taste and his smell. Oh. And he said, now I have no, I have lost my taste. I've lost my smell. And, um, and uh, you know, I said, hmm, have you been taking zinc? Oh, yes, I have. How did you know, doctor? (laughs) Because you lost your taste. (laughs) And it's interesting because at one time we used to think that zinc deficiency was the reason people lose their taste and their smell. In fact, when my dad, you know, this is telling, you know, he died in 93. He came into my office. I lost my taste. I've lost my smell. And, uh, you know, I put him on zinc supplement. Didn't make. Thinking that would help. Didn't help. No. No, and the, so the, med- the what he had is chronic allergies, and his inflamed nose uh, took away the ability to um, hmm. to so smell. Overall, and then you're when not you don't a, smell, you don't yeah, taste. You're not a big proponent of the zinc supplement. I am not. Okay, it's a heavy I, metal. Yeah, it's a heavy metal. Don't add it. No, you're better off without it. Okay, we have another caller who is concerned about the and dry. I'll, I, I, but oh, I have to follow back up on with zinc. One. Okay, yes, we get heavy metals in our diet if we eat. Are you get, are you ready for the very best source of? Gee, I can't imagine. What would you What would you think, Bob? Nuts. Veggies. Oh, I nuts. went for veggies too. Nuts, nuts with yeah. uh, metal heavy metals and nuts. Yeah. I just so. somehow I didn't know that. No. So. Oh. Okay. You know, I mean, and just the right micronutrient level. Right. That's Not a huge amount, but no. Some so metals. There's copper right. in particular that they we we think is very important, but we don't know well enough. You know, it's just like you can jump to conclusions and then tell people to do this or that, you know, but most people are fine because they have enough in their diet because it doesn't take much. Good. All right. All right. 
Now we have a question about this winter and the dry air out there. My skin gets so dry in the winter. Do you have any ideas to help? Right. There was a time when I did research on it, and I had a med student even follow up on this. And the med student came back to me and said, the problem is humidity in our room, our houses. And the article that I read, he said, was to show that we just need to raise the humidity in our, our house and that will help with the dryness. And so uh, I encourage people for a, a year or so to just you know turn on the humidifier and go like crazy. Subsequently, though, if you read the literature, I found that that really enhances dust mites. They grow in the humidity. Oh. Uh, and if you're an allergic person... Then it's not a good thing. No, and the majority of people who have quote-unquote colds really have allergies. So, I mean, it, then it does harm. And what's more, it puts frost on your windows, and it, I mean, it's not a good thing. And, and your hands don't make that... It isn't that much difference. I think there's more to the fact that when you go outside, your hands get cold, and then it's just constantly cold and warm, then cold and warm, and your skin takes a hit. Uh, so my answer for you with skin are, is a couple things. One is that for every time that you wash your hands, uh, like I used to between patients, uh, four or five times in between use the sterile hand uh, stuff unless the person has diarrhea. And then you want to wash your hands because the ha sterile hand stuff, um, you know, the alcohol-based stuff doesn't uh, t touch the the diarrhea illness, uh, virus. The second thing is that uh, uh, we we overwash. Uh, the, the the I saw so much uh, rash on people's back from from showers and uh, hot showers takes out all of the natural oils that we have. The soap takes out the natural oils, and it's the soap, 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 soap that that uh, and hot that eliminates Dry all of the normal skin. things that we have. Uh, so if you wash your hands with soap, which we, you should because it helps you with prevention of illness and infections and so forth, um, then you need to replace that oil right away. Now, nothing is as good as our own natural oils. But uh, the closest thing is something that has ceramide in it. Ceramides are now no, no longer an expensive prescription that you get from dermatologists. They're in over-the-counter uh, medicine, uh, uh, creams. And the very best ceramide, I think, f for the price, is CeraVe, C-E-R-A, capital V-E. And the very best CeraVe is the, the, the ointment, the, the healing ointment CeraVe. And I found it uh, in a variety of different drugstores. And if you can find it, it's a big kind of tube of, looks like Vaseline, it's kind of thick like Vaseline. And I use it every night after I wash my hands, get ready for bed, and I'm, uh, I grab the CeraVe ointment and just soak my hands. And my hands have been a lot better this year than ever before because of the CeraVe. CeraVe. C-E-R-A-V-E. CeraVe. Capital V-E. Capital V-E. CeraVe. Ointment. Okay. We are due to take a break. That's great advice. We'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We just get some really good advice. I'm going to repeat it again in case you went to get a pen. Dr. Holmes said he has come up with what he thinks is one of the best ointments for your hand. 
uh, in this dry weather, and it's CeraVe, C-E-R-A-V-E. Yep, capital V-E. And the other thing, what I would suggest is that you put it on after washing, so you buy three tubes of it, and you put it at every sink. Great idea. Um, and it comes it, in a tube. It huh? comes in a tube, squeeze out a little bit, rub it in. It's a little greasier than the CeraVe hand lotion, which is very good. But not, but not, not as good for the hands as the ointment. As okay. the ointment, Bob. Well, I was gonna say, what about Aveeno or something? I think I've heard people use that. I've seen a lot of Aveeno, and I think that's okay. Look to see if it has ceramide in it. Now a lot of these people are adding cer- uh, ceramide into their hand creams, and it makes it much, much better. Well, it's good to know. Hey, we have another. We really appreciate these calls coming in. There's two more we haven't gotten to. One is how do you safely remove excessive ear wax? We know how the doctors do it. How do we do it at home? Well, you can buy uh, these jet wash things that are hand syringes, uh, but uh, it goes with a tube of ear wax softener. And if you buy the ear wax softener and you drop it in there, uh, and then you and then you give it a you know a couple hours and then you jet wash it, you can get that stuff out of there. Uh, and that's just what we do at the clinic, you know, is earwax softener, give it a day, or, and then you come in and we wash it out with a jet wash. Uh, the other, you know, you can do, you can turn your uh, uh, tooth sprayer, what is that? I've got it. I use it in my teeth at night, the oh, well, water, pick. water pick. You can turn that down to the low, put warm water in there, and the water pick will work. And it works great, actually. But So that's safe to run that water? As long as you ear. don't have a hole in your tympanic membrane, you turn it to low. Okay. But the last thing is that um, the the stool the stool softener the earwax softener uh, really is just simply mineral oil. You can use mineral oil or sweet oil, as they used to say, which is just olive oil. So it's the oil that does the trick. Drop. I generally say to people on mon- on Sundays because you or on Saturdays you d- put a drop of uh, ear on your uh, earwax in your right ear and you go to bed laying on your left side. And then you wake up, you know, you've been all over the bed, and there's wax somewhere on, in your <laughs> sheets, but that's okay. And then the next Sunday day. night, you put it in your left ear, and you go to bed laying on your right, and then it soaks in and gets all that stuff, and then it just, you know, and the wax just kind of gruels out. Wax is really normal tissue, normal oils. It's all part of the normal deal, but some people don't make enough, and then it gets into where it sticks in there. So you had to add a little more oil. Well, let's hope that works for a pretty simple response. The final question of all the calls that have come in is a person concerned about the flu shots. Why is it only 10% effective? What's the deal? Well, I haven't seen that report. I've heard that report. Well, you hear sometimes that it's not, not 100%. And, and it the reason isn't, it isn't. And it's, it's less effective as you get older. That's why they recommend the quadruple strength uh, flu shot for the older. Uh, I don't think 10% is the right number, but you know what? That It should not prevent us. And it's 10% effective from one of the flus that's running around. But there's a lot more flus out there, and you know they pick it as good as they can uh, nail it according to what they predict from the year before. And the thing is there are a variety of these flus. There isn't just one, so you can't have a shot to cover them all. Right. And that's part of the reason that it's not 100% effective. I think you need to remember that the reason you take that flu shot is for your babies in the community and for the elderly people or the people on chemotherapy. So take the flu shot. Do it for someone else. 
There you go. And Don't do just it. just for yourself. Do it for someone else. Yes. It'll help you, too. Well, on that note, we're running out of time, and we do hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program, and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. As always, you can hear and see more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org. Thanks, Rick. That's all till next week. Thanks, Joan and Bob. And, and don't forget, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, South Dakota Public Broadcasting, Central Standard Time, see uh, a discussion with a bunch of Mayo docs. It will be great. Thank you, and stay healthy out there, people. <laughs>